where have we confused the kingdom of God with America? Yeah. And how do we extricate those two things? Come on, take one, baby. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Take One Podcast. In this episode, we are um, anxious to to get into this conversation. So with me, with us today, um, myself, I'm Sir G, Sir Gregory. Uh, we have Pastor Reeves, and we also have Pastor Michael Jemison Rhodes, um, the anointed doctor and reverend <laughs> right, now. And as always, we have our anointed um, mistress um, of music, um, Adriana Christmas. Um, and so this week's topic, it is January 12th, 2021. And this whole country um, has witnessed something that I think none of us has witnessed um, in our lifetime, um, the storming of the Capitol. And, and we really want to just kind of talk about this and process this, not not to just be trendy, not to, you know, just keep up on the latest gossip, but but to really, like, this is a big thing that has really shaken up so many um, hearts, um, so many um, relationships, so many people are really struggling to process this both mentally and emotionally and, and, and even spiritually. Um, so we believe that this is a super important topic to talk about and discuss. Um, so just to hop into it, like what um, what was some of the, what was the craziest, like what, what made this so crazy um, to you guys seeing this last week? Yeah, for me personally, and this is Richard, um, for me personally, what made it uh, so crazy, I think, were um, two things. First, the name of Jesus being mm. um, brought into it via flags, and as reports come out, um, and, and I do want to say there was a peaceful protest earlier <laughs> in the day, um, and yet, so what we're addressing is the insurrection, is the storming of the Capitol, mm-hmm. the desire apparently to take hostages and so forth, and uh, and five people, including the Capitol policemen, um, being murdered. Um, and so to have those kind of actions justified or sought to be justified in the name of Jesus is something that I felt compelled immediately to speak out against. Um, removing all politics, <laughs> removing all, you know, uh, you know, just political arguments, and, and to think that it was instigated by the President of the United States um, is something that I felt like had to be addressed. And then the second thing, and I'm sure we'll get to this as well, is to look at the racial instigation, mm-hmm. the Confederate flag, um, and, as well as just the stark contrast mm-hmm. between the uh, presence of the National Guard or the, the amount of um, armed guards that you know defended the Capitol at the Black Lives Matter rally earlier in the year mm-hmm. versus mm-hmm. what um, transpired at the Capitol this you know last Wednesday. 
Um, if I were African American, that would be, <laughs> you know, that would certainly be the thing that I saw uh, up front and close is the absolute hypocrisy. Um, and, and I think, too, with the Confederate flag waving and other elements, um, just the privilege, entitlement, and, um, um, you know, uh, really white supremacist motivation mm. um, that's what those are the things that really stood out to me the name of Jesus and the racial component um, yeah. and the actions of our president I mean for me I think yeah I agree with everything Richard just said um, and I, I think what was was crazy for me was just feeling like uh, we were watching um, the demise, uh, possibly, of the integrity of the witness of the church in America. Because, you know, in some ways, what happened at the Capitol was unprecedented. Um, in other ways, and, and, and the vast majority of Christians, including white evangelicals, would no doubt condemn the worst excesses at the Capitol. Uh, and yet the vast majority of white evangelicals helped vote in our president who has been telling documentable lies mm -hmm. uh, for at least five years. I mean, I think about in the run-up to the 2016 election where he repeatedly lied about the refugee program, and then he used those lies to essentially end the refugee program, which cost many refugees, their lives and livelihood, presumably. And so we have known for a long time that this was a person who would tell lies and that those lies would have consequences. And so to see the effect of the average white Christian in America's political witness sort of bear fruit in this way, um, was genuinely alarming and what was what made me feel uh in some ways as angry as anything mm. in the turmoil was to see prominent white evangelical leaders who'd been vocal supporters of donald trump condemn the violence without acknowledging their role in encouraging their constituents to vote for this person. And again, I understand the policy differences between Republicans and Democrats. I think Christians can and should and ought to debate the various policy differences between Republicans and Democrats. But we knew, or we had strong evidence that Trump was gonna lie about election fraud before this election. He told us that he, that it was a fraud. He was making baseless claims before we ever got to November. Right. And so, to feel like it's so obvious that, that um, what we're seeing on Wednesday, you know, um, is the fruit of so many failures of the, Christ the version of Christianity that I'm a part of. Um, and then to see so many leaders within the evangelical Christian movement failing to be repentant or self-reflective as they hasten to condemn, you know, the violence. It was just, I, I really feel like um, the, the witness of the church has experienced such 
damage yeah. due to Trumpism. And this was just the latest iteration of that from my perspective. Yeah, and I feel like that's why this conversation is not just about, oh, um, I don't like Trump or I like Trump. It's it's bigger than Trump. And, mm-hmm. it's, and it's the church, the, the witness of the church um, has been um, affected. And we know... Um, Jesus is the king. Like we know that um, that hell will not trump um, the gates of hell will not overcome. You know the kingdom of heaven. Like we know this, but we do know that we live in our um, in the present moment where so many people um, are are now wanting to detach themselves from the church, Christians too, and also non-believers. And our entire purpose for the church is to be a light to the world. Um, and so it's it's crazy. Uh, we talked about this already um, off off the mics, but um, we there were crosses being held, G- Jesus saved signs. There was the craziest thing to me that I read about that there was got like Christian music that we sing and and worship and, and sing and that worship ceremony um, services were being played on loudspeakers um, as as this crazy um, scene what's happening so how would you what is where do we go from here as a church like what what is our christian responsibility in light of this witness yeah um the adriana you want to <laughs> yeah adriana you want to answer that <laughs> i want the pastor to start on that one uh, i can answer the first question though since i didn't answer that one i think I'll let me get closer because I have a softer voice. Um, I think the biggest thing that was different for me is uh, just the the difference between the way they were treated and the way Black Lives Matter was treated. Mm-hmm. But I, was, I think it was deeper, like looking at racism in America, there are so many policies and institutions and laws and legal racism. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So like there are so many ways that we see racism, covert, some overt, but it's still like working within the rules of our society. Um, even like if somebody is shot, when really we don't think they need it to be shot, but the first thing people say is that, oh, well, they resisted arrest or whatever, like there's mm-hmm. a law that they broke or, you know, they were selling cigarettes, whatever it mm-hmm. is. It's foolish, but whatever. I think this was so weird because it's like, no, this is clearly breaking the law. (laughs) And like, it's just always interesting for me when I see racist white people act outside of the law because there are so many things in our society that work for your favor. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) You don't necessarily have to break the law Mm. to be racist, if if I'm honest, in America. And so I think that's what was mind boggling Mm. for me. Like, no, like legit, these people, I mean... And, and I think about everybody's talking about the Black Lives Matter protests when you see, you know, all these people like on the steps, like black people would not make it up one step. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Because at that point you're trespassing. Right. And then like if you take it on a broad, like if Obama mm. <laughs> got up and said, I'm not conceding, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And you see all these black and brown people yeah. coming together, whether they're playing Christian music or not, mm-hmm. baby, they are dying that mm-hmm. day. Mm-hmm. They're dying. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's not even that they're gonna get arrested, they are going to die. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think, and even like, 
Facebook is like the worst place to go after these things happen. But anyway. We're so many of well, us this, are so addicted man, that we got to well, get out. Well, no, like <laughs> this, this uh, girl that I graduated with, she has an eight-year-old son. And he said, eight years old, man, mommy, if I did something like that, I'd be on my way to heaven. Mm. An eight-year-old mm. young black man, or wow. black boy, mm. let me not say man. Society says he's a man, but he's mm. a boy, eight years old. Is saying I will be on my way to heaven. <laughs> wow. yeah. And so I think it's the like it's the stark difference between you know the way we be treated, but um, just like y'all, I mean, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. just like okay, there is no denying. Of course, people are still going to deny it and, and try to say what about abortion or something crazy to avoid looking at at, at reality. But I think you cannot deny the privilege that was demonstrated because it was demonstrated on such a large scale. Well, let's um, talk. Well, yeah. Like, well, let's talk about that now. Um, it's like that's something I did want to bring up when LeBron James was asked about just his feelings. He said, "Man, we clearly live in two different Americas. Mm-hmm. You know, um, one America is treated this way, and the other, and the other America is treated um, this way." I think Adriana, you just mm. really brought up like my first. Um, like thoughts like as I'm watching and I'm like are these people really really like like trying to pull back the gates from the officers are they really are the officers really backing up is the mm-hmm. officer really running away mm-hmm. is the officer taking a selfie with this did the officer just open up the gate and say alright you guys want to go in alright well alright I, I guess you guys get what you want and it was just like mm-hmm. wow um and and for so long, I, I I went to Arkansas State, a majority white town, and I've had different like personal experiences that made me say, if if I did that as a black man, I like, this would not um, result in the same way. But it was so hard to really you know get get other people to see that. But now it's like. There's no way around, you know. It's just that clear, um, um, and so it's it really does bring up so many different emotions: um, mm. anger, numbness. You ca- you kind of got to laugh at your pain, like we mm. talked about earlier. Mm. But yeah, mm. I mean, when I think about your your question a minute ago about where do we go from here, I mean, I think that um, I think that. You know, we can look at Scripture to see what God's people did when they were involved with the nations, uh, especially in exile. So I think of, like, Daniel, and, you know, in Daniel chapter 9, Daniel spends a full chapter repenting Mm -hmm. of his own sins and the sins of his ancestors. So I think that the church in America has been given an assignment to figure out how to repent and bear fruit in keeping with repentance from whatever it was that got us there. And from my perspective, we have like two huge things that are on display in terms of repentance. One is like failing the moral character test, right? Because um, conservative white Christians like me, we have said we believed one thing, like the character of our leaders matter. We said that overwhelmingly in 2011 white evangelicals were more likely than any other group to say the character of the president mattered 
in 2018, we're the least likely group in America to say that the character of the president matters. Mm. So we've literally changed our morals based on trying to support our political team. And that's just one example. The truth, you know, we're supposed to be people who believe in the truth. We have supported the most absurd conspiracy theories rather than embrace truth. So I think there's, a, and, then, and of course, the racial dynamic. Uh, 61% of white evangelicals said that the people they primarily hoped to benefit with their vote was themselves and their family or people like them nationwide. So our, our, our character is on full display and we need to repent of that. And then the other thing I think that's on full display is our idolatry mm. to uh, this country. I think we typically, when we read the Bible, we typically think of idolatry in terms of like you've turned from Yahweh to another God like Baal or whoever else. But, you know, in a book like the book of Amos, the false God is not Baal. It is a false version of Yahweh. Mm-hmm. It is a Yahweh who is relentlessly on the side of the nation no matter what. And the way that the, uh, the major, uh, a majority of Americans, I think it's a majority of Americans, believe that America has a special role in history given to it by God. And so we have idolatrously claimed for our nation state a God whose name is Jesus, mm-hmm. a God whose name is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but who is actually a nationalistic cult idol of our own making. And until we reject that project, not reject affecting the world for good, Christians should care about our nation. We should be about improving it. And that will require us to think like Christians in the way we vote. Granted, that's decisively important. But the people who are carrying Jesus saves alongside the Trump flags and the Confederate flags, that's a God and country, this is our America, we're taking it back so that God can use this country for his purposes. And that kind of idolatry, I think, has infected most of us in big ways and small ways. Mm. And so to the extent that we focus on the hyper-radical fringe, you know, that's sitting at Pelosi's desk, right, we will miss the moment. Right. The church needs to say, what is it about... Again, everyday normal white evangelicals are not in support of what happened last week. The, many of us have been far too in support of the idolatries and moral failures that made Wednesday possible. And all of us, myself included, right. need to embrace a process of self-examination and repentance. Where have we confused the kingdom of God with America? Yeah. And how do we extricate those two things? Because until we do that, you know, you said the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I believe that. But when Christians in Rwanda were on the wrong side of the genocide, the gates of hell were not prevailing against God's church. Right. When Christians got behind Hitler, the gates of hell were not prevailing against God's church. The, the theological reality that the universal church will flourish in the face of hell does not mean that particular churches and particular times and places cannot utterly lose their way, Mm. cannot uh, sacrifice a generation of their children because of their false witness to the gospel. That, I think, is not that we need to retreat. Again, I'm not saying that, but I do think the church has to have, we, our church, churches like us, have to have this process of saying, okay, how are we a part of this? And how do we repent of it and bear fruit in keeping with repentance so that we can bear witness to the kingdom of God? 
Amen. Amen. Yeah, I agree, Michael. And I think um, to make that point, uh, I guess to drive that point a little bit further, um, you know, when we talk about a nationalistic religion, that evangelicals mm -hmm. have become nationalistic and so forth, and we have that as, um, you know, an idolatry, I, I think we see it in that we are more concerned about the country than we are about the church. Mm -hmm. We're more concerned about the state of democracy or the state of the United States than we are about the state of the church. And the question that I get, and I've received a lot this week, um, and that is, well, what are we supposed to do? Were right. we supposed to vote for a you know, um, pro-abortion candidate? Tell me what, what other choice did I have? And that is probably the saddest question. Um, because what other choice do we have? We, we have the choice to be the church. Mm. And yes, <laughs> the church is to be pro-life, deeper, wider, higher, and further going than we've ever been. And to be pro-life is to uh, stand for and to be for the sanctity of life in the womb, but as some say, and for the sanctity of that life all the way to the tomb. So to ignore mm. the historical realities of America mm. that it's really not even debatable. I mean, especially in the South, but throughout the country, the wealth that we've built, we built on the backs of enslaved mm -hmm. African people. <laughs> millions upon millions. Mm -hmm. It. How can anyone debate that? That is the reality. And so are there two Americas? Yes. And therefore, in the church, if we're going to... Uh, hold to our racist ideologies while standing for the rights of um, babies in the womb, which I am all for. Mm -hmm. I am pro-life mm -hmm. in the womb, 150 percent. Yeah. But I, you know, but to do that, holding on to racist, blind, um, superior attitudes is the height of hypocrisy. And so, well, what, so, so how do we vote? That, okay, that's not, the question is, how do we be the people of God? Mm. It's not, how do we be better Americans? And to be the people of God, where that falls out politically, I don't know. I, that is so secondary. And yet it has become the primary thing. And so what do, how do we get beyond this? I, it's to be the people of God and the church has a lot of repenting to mm, do. Mm. And, and I mean that seriously. And, and I think in the process, we've got to really guard our hearts because it's so much easier to look at the speck in my yes. brother's eye than to deal with the log in my own. But that Jesus' teaching there is not don't judge, don't speak truth. It's deal with the log in your own right. eye and speak truth in, from that posture of humility and sadness and and, and love your neighbor as yourself. Don't love your own family more than your neighbor's family. <laughs> so I think it's getting back to core Christianity and letting the politics fall where they may. And, um, and yeah, and that, that's a hard, how do we get there? Uh, the Spirit of God being poured out on his people. Uh, short of that, 
That's all I got. Yeah, um, I was trying to let the pastor speak for real. Y'all are preaching. Um, <laughs> amen to all of that. I do think like that whole, I've, I've talked about this before, but like the whole, this is God's party. And mm. I think that's just the dumbest thing ever. <laughs> when we look at, you know, like if you look at the Bible and you look at all of the things that were set out for the Israelites, and you guys can talk more about this, but you're supposed to set aside food for people. And you're, like all these all things right. you're supposed to do. And it's just like, come on, y'all. You can't say that some of these policies and some of these institutions and the way wealth is distributed, you cannot tell me that that is Christian. Right. Okay, so right. <laughs> the whole idea, like, if I am a Republican, then I am a Christian, or if I'm a Democrat, then I'm a Christian. No, that your political party does not you know, tell me if you are a Christian or not. Mm, right, that right. is not the indicator. Um, and so I really, 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 really believe that there has to be this complete divorce between po- political party and Christianity. Amen. And we Amen. know, like, we learned how in the history books the Republican Party became this Christian thing and they became almost synonymous, like you're a Christian and so you're also a Republican. That's foolish. Again, and that actually came from they weren't they weren't standing for abortion at that point. If we want to remember, they were talking about segregation. Okay, right, so the the, right. the unification of Christians and Christianity and and being a Republican that came from uniting over segregation. Right. right. Now, as a Christian, do you really want to say that your identity lies in something that came about because of segregation mm. and people standing up saying that segregation was right? I think if you ask somebody now, they know that the political answer is to say, no, I don't stand for segregation. But that's what that whole unification of, you know, that whole marriage of republicanism and and Christianity that came from standing on segregation. And now you want to say abortion. But I just I don't get it. I don't get that. So I think um, I'm not a Christian because I vote a certain way. I'm a Christian because I believe in God. I believe that he sent his son down to die for me for my sins, and I have received this grace. Mm, That's where the humility humility Mm. comes from, right? I have received this grace, and so then I can extend grace to other people. Amen. Right? But I just, that that is so mind-boggling for me, for us to say that a political party that's in in a broken world, neither party is perfect, (laughs) neither party is adhering to all of the biblical principles that we hear about every mm. Sunday. Yeah. Neither party, like, I don't, I don't even know how to say it. I just don't get it. It, it just, <laughs> it is mind-boggling for me to, for me to even say, I voted this way, so I know I'm a Christian. Yeah. No. Even, like, your actions don't always line up with your heart. We know that. Mm. Right, okay? Right. So, I, yeah, anyway, I think that this whole idea of this party being Christian, this party being, you know, <laughs> a heathen party or whatever, that all needs to just go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. As, to offer a footnote for the history that Adriana's talking there about how the origins of the religious right were driven more by fighting against Christian schools losing their tax uh, deductions because of their de facto segregation. Randall Balmer's book, Thy Kingdom Come, covers that pretty extensively in the first chapter. So if that's new information to you, that the religious right did not start straightforwardly from abortion. You know, that, that history is out there, and I think that's really important. And, and I also think that, like, Christians— I mean, I agree with what you said, Richard, that we've got to reclaim the primacy of our citizenship and the kingdom of God. That's who we are first and foremost. But I also think we need to figure out how do we disciple, our, disciple ourselves to participate 
how, how do we mm. experience discipleship yeah. together to participate? Because we got to participate in these parties. Right. We have a two party mm-hmm. system, mm-hmm. or you get involved with. The third. So I mean, we have a city council, we have a mayor, so we got to get involved. So how do we do that? Right. And again, um, I've been spending a lot of time reflecting on the Book of Daniel, and two things that I noticed that fit exactly what you're saying with Adriana. One is. All the empires, Daniel sees all these different empires. Some of them are better. Some of them are worse. They all get smashed by the kingdom of God in the end. Mm. And they are all, they all tend to idolatry in the meantime. So whoever your politician is, whoever your party is, whatever your favorite system is, the book of Daniel would suggest they can be good, better, worse, but they will all tend to idolatry. So even when Daniel works for Nebuchadnezzar, not a great guy, but Daniel's working for him. When Daniel, when Daniel gets asked by Nebuchadnezzar, how do, I, how do I make this reign of mine extend? Daniel says, Therefore, O king, may my counsel be acceptable to you. Atone for your sins with righteousness mm. and your iniquities with mercy to the oppressed so that your prosperity may be prolonged. So one thing that I would like to see us as Christians try to do, and I think this is important because, let's be honest, a lot of people like me who grew up in a Christian equals Republican mode are going to find ourselves very easily pushed into Christian equals not Republican mode. And what I would like to see is Christians say, whatever time I spend engaging politically, I'm going to remember that one of my first tasks is to criticize my own team, Amen. right? Like, like that. The, the horrendous thing is not that some Christians in 2015 figured out that they thought Trump was the best choice over Clinton. The, the her, truly horrific thing is how many Christians then turned a blind eye over and over and over again to the failings of a Donald Trump. So participation will always put us in weird partnerships that we're uncomfortable with. The question is, will we bring prophetic criticism to ourselves and our own team in that political process, or will we just get used, right. you know? Right. Yeah, and I'll, I'll jump on the back of that. Um, and you're absolutely right, um, Michael, that we, we do have to be part of the process, but I think We've got to go from the gospel to the process as opposed from mm. from the process to the gospel. Mm. And what mm. is, and I, I know we're probably getting toward the end, and I want to say this, that the reality is, um, you know, I'm hopeful because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Mm. Um, we do have, Christians do have the power to not be Democrat or Republican or Libertarian first and Christian second. And we do have the power to talk to each other, to listen to each other. The gospel says very clearly, I am worse than I allow myself to believe, and yet I am more loved than I ever dare to hope for or dream. And that is power to get us at the table to listen to each other and to stop fighting each other um, and to learn. So so I'm mm. hopeful to that end. Yeah, and I, and I truly... I truly want to say this to those who are listening who might be struggling with being a Christian, with being an evangelical, mm-hmm. yes, um, yes. whether you are someone who is questioning your faith, whether you are someone who um, just wants to reject everything associated with Christianity. Um, when when I, 
a couple years ago, somebody in, the, in my barbershop was was just standing up talking crazy. He was just like, you know, Christianity is the white man's religion. Um, mm. Christian, um, white people force Jesus on on slaves. Um, our our great our great great grandparents were fools to follow the religion of their oppressors. Mm. And that sounds like logical. That sounds at first like, wow, he's right, um, blah, blah, blah. But when you really think about it, when you really look at the truth, and I think Michael Rose um, spoke to it from the scripture of Amos, that the, that the idol of or this form of Christianity isn't the Christianity that my ancestors um, mm-hmm. received. Um, the, the Jesus that they... Um, try to say follow wasn't the Jesus that that my ancestors uh, received, um, and so and so even when we think about this everything that's going on now, like there are some people who was out there saying Jesus saves, um, hanging up crosses at the same time, hanging up a noose. Mm. We looked throughout mm. history; there were people, um, um, different white supremacy groups, on um, burning crosses. Um, lynching black people with a Jesus save sign in the picture like that yeah. isn't the Jesus the God of the Bible Amen. Um, Amen. and so I, I I truly want that to be heard and said that that Jesus isn't the God um, isn't our Savior um, isn't the God of the Bible and, and and my hope and my faith is that even though the Bible has been misused and abused to oppress people um, um, I do know that there, that my God um, is the God who still Amen. reigns supreme, and the God who is still to be worshipped. Um, so, right. so please take courage and don't um, get caught up in wanting to detach yourself from the name of a religion or or even abandon your faith because um, there are some people who have misused the name um, of our faith. So. Wow. And, and I think, I think, Sergi, just to add on there, uh, you're absolutely right. And every um, kingdom, empire, regime has always used religion of all yes, sorts to yes, back up yes. its worst excesses. That's right. So that's not surprising that Christianity has been abused and dragged to the mud in that, in that way. What's surprising is that Christianity has in the past, and by God's grace will again, find ways to extricate itself right. from that idolatrous relationship to power yes. and instead prophetically confront it and prophetically bear witness to something else. And I think th- that's why the stories of you know, um, the church's advocacy for the poor and marginalized and oppressed throughout history are so important because those are the surprising things. But man, it is hard to remember those stories when we're looking at a dude with a Confederate flag mm-hmm. assaulting the Capitol next to a person with a Jesus saves flag. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I have one foot footnote too. I think like when I was talking about it being mind boggling, I think it's because we're looking for our identity in these political parties. Mm. And I just want to just, if anybody has questions, I'm thinking about people that maybe may be on the fence about Christianity, like you're talking about um, God is love, right? We are taught that God is love, First John 4, God is love, right? And so anything that has hate mm. or fear is not love, right? So if God is love, love casts out all fear, right? There's no hate because hate is the opposite 
Mm. of love. And so if we see anything that's saying that it is Jesus saves or with the name of Jesus on it, with the name of Christianity on it, and it involves fear or hate, that mm. is not Christianity. Mm. That's right. So if that's anybody right. is on the fence thinking like, what, what have I got myself into? Or that's why I don't believe, or that's mm. why it's a white, whatever, that's right. why it's a white man's religion, whatever, whatever thing you're struggling with. If you see hate or fear, that is not Jesus. Mm. Amen. Period. Amen. Mm. Period. Amen. I don't know <laughs> if you're asking yourself, okay, well, if my identity is not in being a Republican, then how do I vote? Or what? What is showing the love of Jesus? Mm. How are you? How are you loving your brother and sister? Amen. And whatever you're doing, and whatever you're doing, and this is from presidential elections to how involved you are in local things. That's right. Yeah. Just all of that. God is love. That is such a simple. Thing that we hear over and over and over again, but I think if we really let that seep into our hearts and think about how that looks in action, then we'll have a little more clarity. Yes, amen. Yes, amen. and and that that part in is it John? Is it John? Yeah, yeah. Pastor, where it says perfect love drives out all fear. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I, I think I think that fear to to Christians, I would just say, guys, our fears are deadly. Mm-hmm. Because they drive us to idolatry. Amen. Yeah. An idol is something that we give love, trust, worship, and allegiance to mm-hmm. that belongs to God because we think that idol will give us something that God cannot or will not. Mm-hmm. So when we, we resort to idolatrous views or we give up on our integrity and in political action or whatever, we are sacrificing to an idol to try to protect us from our fear. That's right. And the legacy of the Bible is that the idols demand ever greater sacrifices. Yes. Mm. There's yes. that passage in Jeremiah where it says, the idols have consumed all our fathers worked for, our flocks and herds, even our sons and daughters. Yep. Yep. And I think that um, an idolatrous approach to America is an idol that will consume our children. It will cost us our children. It will ask us to put the integrity of the faith mm-hmm. on the altar of Christian nationalism. Yes. And Christian nationalism will not deliver the goods. Right. <laughs> it right. can't. It doesn't have the power to. Only God does. And so we have to resist that fear. And that goes for all of us. Like fear... Whatever our fears are, they will drive us to terrible places. And so I think as we're talking, I'm thinking it's not just repentance. Part of that self-assessment is, you know, what's love got to do with my life? You know, what's love got to do? And where are the fears that are driving me, us? And what are the idols that promise to rescue me from those fears? That's right. You know? That's That's right. That's really good. Cool. Hey guys, it's been real. It's been a great convo. Um, it's lunchtime for me. We just ordered some. <laughs> Stomach is growling. We just ordered some. I know, I know we're talking about the integrity of the gospel, but I'm getting hungry up here. Yeah, man, the, the bread of diet. life. You know, I need some real yeah. bread. You know, I know Jesus is, is the bread of life, but yeah. I need some Marcia tacos that I think has arrived. <laughs> Supporting the business. You know, we're trying to support small business during this pandemic. (laughs) Um, For sure. We're doing our part. (laughs) But, no, man, this has been a great convo. Um, Guys, listeners out there, we love you and we appreciate Mm. you um, just just being faithful to listen to 
to us uh, with our limited amount of wisdom. Mm-hmm. But man, God is good. He is great. And um, Jesus is my Savior. Amen. Amen. And we are out.